Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day with the life of Jesus meets yours. In this episode, we have our sermon from this past Sunday, the fifth Sunday in the season of Pentecost, looking especially at Jesus calming the storm in Mark chapter 4, as well as considering Job chapter 38, where God really answers Job and all of Job's questions. And we kind of wrap in the other reading that we had for this Sunday, which was from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, talking about Holy Communion. And as always, be sure to check out the show notes for our sermon discussion guide and work through it on your own or with somebody you love. Here goes. Dear fellow redeemed, we consider briefly our gospel lesson from the gospel of Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. And in one sense, you can feel sympathetic toward these disciples. Obviously, a number of them, at least a third of their number, were professional fishermen on that lake, and they had been through a squall or two before, and they thought they had it handled. They thought they knew what to do. But then as the boat kept filling up and the bilge pump wasn't keeping up, and the disciples started looking a little bit more closely, well, Peter, what are we going to do now? <laughs> and they started to think, well, at least we can pray. Jesus is right here. At least we could wake him up. And that question, what are we going to do? It must have been on Job's mind as well as he systematically, or whatever, kind of in order, lost every bit of his wealth, every bit of his family, even his own health, even to the point where his wife said, you know what, I'm sick of this. Why don't you just say, you know, God, forget you, and go off and, and die somewhere. Why don't you curse God and die? And then his friends show up. <laughs> oh, and with friends like that, who needs enemies? And all they could say was, Job, what did you do? What is it that you have done? And all Job could come back with was, I haven't done anything. I haven't deserved this. And it comes to this, this culmination. And if you read the book of Job, um, next time you're reading the book of Job, it's only like 40 chapters long, so it'll take you about a week maybe. And just start underlining all the references to, to weather or to like a little breeze blowing through because the whole book of Job is this building storm that comes here at the beginning of chapter 38. This storm, as, as Job is saying, you know, I didn't deserve this, and everyone around him is saying, yes, you did, or at the very least, stop moaning to me about it, because that's your problem. And it comes to this culmination at the, immediately before our first reading today, where Job said, you know what, if God were here, I would ask him some questions. And then we get to chapter 38. And it's really 38 and 39 and maybe even into 40, where God just asks him question after question. And question after question that really leads him to say, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm <sighs> I spoke out of turn. What does that have to do with you and me? A physical, legitimate, realistic, true blue weather event out on the Sea of Galilee, straight line winds blowing in with this massive line of thunderstorms where even the fishermen are seasick and fearing for their lives. 
and Jesus is asleep. And Jesus is asleep. And they thought they had it handled. They thought that they could control it. They thought that all of their efforts were working until they weren't. And all the frustration just boiled over in that one quick sentence, don't you care that we are about to drown? Oh. Like, I get it, guys. I get it. You're on the verge of drowning, and the Coast Guard isn't here with their, with their helicopters and, and swimmers yet. I get it that you're terrified for your lives. But it's the exact same question as, as Job. Just turned around into a question that if God were here, I would, I would have something to say to him because this isn't the way that it's supposed to be. I don't deserve this, and this isn't right. That question of, don't you care that we are about to drown, is the exact same answer that Job had for his friends. I've done everything that I should have. I've done as much as I could have. And quite frankly, I don't deserve this. Have you ever felt that way? Not that you or I would be so brazen and blatant as Job in the Old Testament or the disciples in the New Testament to say, you know what, God, come on here. I've got a couple questions for you. <laughs> yeah, even just saying that in church, right? Not that you or, not, you or I would be so brazen and so blatant as to say, you know what, if God were here, I would, really, I would really have a thing or two to share with him. I want to give him a piece of my mind. And, oh boy, oh boy, we would have a discussion. But is our lack of questioning simply because our life is orderly enough? Is that lack of don't you care kind of a question or I don't deserve this simply because, simply because there isn't enough that goes wrong in our lives? That when everything is going swimmingly, when, when our health is okay, when the family is okay, when the relationships are holding up, when there are no other cares or concerns, and when there's no other outside stress kind of compressing and pressing on our shoulders, then it's easy enough to say, you know what, I've got this handled. I'm doing everything right. I've, I've set my, my family budget. I'm eating the proper foods. I'm getting a little bit of exercise and daylight. I'm doing everything correct. And there is nothing that should be going wrong in my life. And that's the facade that we like to tell ourselves. That's the image that we like others to see that when you come by our house, then everybody is smiling and the lawn is mowed and manicured. When you come by our house, everybody is, is cheerful and happy and there's never any sort of a squabble or disagreement. And every day, we just bounce out of bed at 5.30 or 4.30 in the morning with a spring in our steps, and life is great. It's all roses and daisies and just skipping on, skipping on down the yellow brick road. Am I the only one who's tired of that? Maybe it is just me, but I, I kind of doubt it. That sense of not being able to admit and being afraid to admit 
that life isn't lining up exactly how we had perhaps wanted. That even though an outsider might say, your concern will pass and the, the trouble is rather small and not really that challenging and you look back on this in a week or, or a year or a month and you'll be like, I don't know what the big deal was. And it'll be nothing but, but a bad dream that you bar barely remember. But at the same time, that's what an outsider might say. But you and I are just kind of stuck in the middle of it. And maybe, maybe you do spring out of bed every morning at 4 or 5 or 6 in the morning and beat the sun <laughs> before it wakes up. And maybe your life is completely perfect and happy without any concerns in the world. But maybe the reality is that more often than not, it's like we're stuck out on a boat in the middle of the lake. And even if it's not in the middle of a storm, at the very least, it looks like there might be storm clouds over there on the horizon. Or we're sitting here in the wreckage a little bit seasick after a storm just moved through. Might that be a fair assessment? <laughs> that so much of life in this world uh, from our perspective, so much of life in this world is trying to manage the difficulty or manage the, um, manage the particular challenges that come our way. And when we handle them, then it's all fine and dandy. But when they come, and you name it, there's more than enough. When they come, then the questions start to follow along after. And it might not start with, don't you care if we drown? It might not start with, Jesus, you don't care enough about me right now. It might just start with, well, what else can I do? And what did I do wrong? It might start with the questions that Job's friends posed to him. What is it that you have done that got you to this point? Because it's so simple to try to connect the dots from A to B, that this is what I did and these are the results. And as long as I do something different next time, then it'll be okay and I won't have anything to worry about ever again. And I'll never have to deal with this, this conscience that says I deserve this and worse. You get what we're saying here? That God allows trouble in our lives and that trouble, whether great or small, whether passing or permanent, that trouble really leads us to this crisis of wondering. Wondering, am I going to handle this on my own? Or do I need to call in my Savior? And that's the wrong question. Because the, the disciples are out there in the middle of the lake and they had been, yes, doing all the things that they could to try to prevent the boat from sinking. They had been doing as much as they could. And then, as a last resort, they said, Jesus, don't you care? And in a way, in a way, that's, that's what our heart wants to say, too. Don't you care? Except we phrase it around the other way. Well, I don't deserve this, and this is too much for me to carry right now. And why me? And the reality, the reality, as, uh, as the first article so, so bluntly put it, 
that only the good things in our lives happen only because God is our good and merciful Father in heaven and not because we have earned or deserved it, which gets us a little closer to the truth, which gets us a little closer to the truth, that the trouble in our lives, big or small, is a tool that God uses to show where we actually stand and to show the limits of what we can actually do that we can't get out of this on our own. To show where we actually stand, that you have a Savior who is with you, who has promised to hear you. You have a Savior who cares. He's not asleep. He's not asleep. Because that question, don't you care if we drown? It's almost as though, Jesus, you are totally unaware in the reality, dear friend, is that Jesus definitely cares. He knows the, the personal pain that you carry. He knows the happy face that you try to keep up. He knows the, the tragedy that has come your way. He knows the, the doubt within your heart. And he wants to use those to lead us to despair of our own human reason. To stop judging things by what we see with our eyes, where the world around us says, if A happens, then B is the result. And Jesus says, you know what? Life is far more than simple cause and effect. Life is far more than simple cause and effect. It's far more complex than that. Because our Lord's entire, entire idea in all of this is that, yeah, he allowed, and he, it was his idea to take a boat across the lake and it wasn't just by accident that that storm blew up. That was part of his divine providence, that he wanted to use this as an opportunity to, to lead his disciples to see in a very real, very personal way how much he could do, how much he cares for them. That sometimes Jesus allows, permits, sends, the trouble and pain that we experience to remind us of how much he cares. Because it would be simple enough to go along through life and to think that we've got it together. And far be it from us to let that happen. Because it would be simple enough to go along through life and think that we don't need our Savior. At least not when times are good. But the reality is that we need our Savior at all times. And Jesus wants to use these, these opportunities as an opportunity to demonstrate his grace and his love for you again. Where even as our heart might say, I don't deserve this, and my Jesus doesn't care, the reality is that I've deserved this and worse. And my Savior cares far more than I could ever perceive or imagine. And you and I can say that completely. That yes, even though, even though I deserve nothing good from our Lord, at the same time, he has chosen to give us everything. He has chosen to continue to provide you with daily bread, with friends and family here. He has chosen to continue to provide you with a, with a new day. <laughs> and most of all, he has chosen to continue to provide for you with that forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. 
Because what Jesus is really getting at here with, with this reading from Mark chapter 4 is, is this collision between what we perceive and what we want and what God is actually doing behind the scenes and his greater will for our lives. That it's his desire for us to really despair of our own solutions and to cast our anxiety on him, to bring our care to him and say, I know you care, and I need your help. I know you care, and how do I know that? Because this Jesus, who was asleep in the back of the boat, or the front of the boat, whichever end the stern was, <laughs> this Jesus, who was asleep in the boat, showed how much he cared by letting that storm come in the first place so that he would be able to, to calm that storm, to stop it, and the disciples in the space of like three minutes go from seasick and the Dramamine isn't working and we are going to be just bobbing along here like corks in about two minutes. They went from the absolute terror of death to sitting there silently with the sun shining, the sea like glass, and the only sound they hear, even after all that thunder and all those waves, the only sound they hear is the dripping of water off their beards. That Jesus wanted to and still wants to demonstrate his care in your life and mine. He still wants to demonstrate his care in your life and mine, even at and through the trouble that we face. Where we see, perhaps with our own two eyes or with our own heart, we perceive the frailty of our human flesh and the limits of our human knowledge and solutions. And Jesus gives us the barest glimpse of his grace. The barest glimpse of his grace that says, you know what, my grace is sufficient for you. That, that sometimes that trouble that he allows or permits, that trouble that might even be the result of our own sin, is something that he wants to use to purify your life as well. So that we finally see what it is that we depend on and how much of our depending was on our own solutions rather than on the word of our Lord. So that he can come through and say, Dear friend, of course I care. And how do you know that Jesus cares? That he still cares today? He went to the cross. Well, that's one <laughs> for you and for me. He rose from the dead, descended into hell, proclaimed his victory there. He comes to you again in his supper when he says, take and eat, take and drink. And yeah, that confronts our human reason again because our human brain is saying, you know what, it doesn't look like this, it doesn't taste like this, it, um, it doesn't really even smell like what Jesus says it is. But the word of our Lord is stronger than our human reason and bigger than our hearts, where he says, yes, he is trustworthy, and his care is found right here, where he says, dear Christian, whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is that you're struggling with, you have a gift that is greater than any pain or suffering you would experience here. You have a gift that is greater than any gain or reward that you would experience here. 
And that gift is the free forgiveness of sins, absolutely full and complete. That gift is a Lord who has torn apart time and space to come to you individually, personally, and say, here is your forgiveness again. Here is the body of Christ offered on the cross to each person given individually and personally. Here is the blood of Christ that dripped down that cross for your forgiveness and mine, given to each one individually and personally. You can think of it this way. For my, um, my, my summer job during, during college, I worked for an asphalt company, mostly doing like road work and um, crack filling and seal coating, that sort of a thing. And, and one day, um, we did a job up, you know, about two and a half hours north of where our office was. This would have been up by, like, Marquette, Michigan or so. And we were working on a job at the airport. And, um, and I was driving back with this sizable, sizable dump truck, right? And, uh, and I had gotten a call from my mom that day, and the, the newscasters on the radio were all saying that school had been called off because they had recorded like the lowest barometric pressure ever in the state <laughs> up to that point. And, and they were forecasting for some tremendous storms. And so we're like, okay, you know, a little bit of rain, I can handle that. And, and some of the talk show hosts were like, well, why are we calling school off ahead of a, of a thunderstorm? Is that really how we operate now in Wisconsin? So we're driving along, and this is a, you know, like a deuce and a half, fairly sizable truck. And I've got a load of gravel in the back, and it starts raining. It starts raining harder. And I see the, the guy ahead of me turns on his, his lights on top of his truck so that I can see him as well. And then, and then we just stopped because we couldn't see where the road was. Kind of like these disciples here, I'm sure. It's coming down in sheets. The, the windshield wipers aren't keeping up. And I hear this incredible sound that is like, that's like a, a train horn almost. And I feel this truck start bouncing up and down and kind of moving backward. And I'm, I'm standing on the brakes, almost you know, trying to will the tires to hold onto the road. And who knows whether they would or not. I don't think to that point in my life I had ever prayed so hard. And it seemed like 10 minutes, but it was probably only 30 seconds. 10 minutes later, <laughs> the rain subsides and we go on. And having driven back through that area about a week later, the tornado had passed by, the edge of the tornado had passed by about 30 yards off the side of the road. So 30 yards away from, you know, basically 100 feet away from where we were sitting in the truck. And at that moment, I had thought that I was a goner. And if you've ever been in a storm like that, I'm sure you've had a, a similar experience. And why? Why does God allow things like that that scare us to death? Why does God allow other pain that sticks with us for a long time? Why does God allow things to happen that really aren't what we want and aren't what we expect so that he can prove that he is faithful? 
that, yeah, life in a sinful world is going to throw some curveballs our way, that our human bodies are going to break down, that storms still happen. But Jesus wants us, above all, to, to realize, to realize the forgiveness he has won for you and the life he has given to you is far stronger and far greater than, than any challenge or any trouble that would ever come your way. That Jesus wants you to realize that the gift he has given to you here and the fellowship that we share goes far beyond and for a far longer time than even the most long-lasting joy or pleasure of this world. That Jesus wants us to realize that among all the treasures he has given to us of our, of our health or our well-being or family or friends or even the possessions that we can see, of all the blessings that he has given to us, none of them even comes close to the fact that you, dear friend, are righteous in his eyes. That you, dear friend, are given your forgiveness again so that you can say, you know what? Send it my way. <laughs> Whether it's a storm out on the Sea of Galilee, whether it's all the, the trouble that Job went through, or whether it's my own personal heartache that is there every single day. I don't care. Because it doesn't say that I am guilty or not guilty. Only God can say that. And God has said that. That in his supper, Jesus has said, Dear friend, you are not guilty. You are righteous in his eyes. And really, this Jesus is with you in the storm and after it forever. Amen. <laughs>